to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Welcome, listener, to the Big Red Couch. Today, on the couch, we have, in the far-off frosty lands of England, Craig. And back here in New Zealand, where I'm sweating myself to death, it's been. Yay! I, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there, and I'm really hoping this comes through on the recording. You sound as if you're recording from the middle of an aviary. Yeah, I have to have the windows open at the moment, because otherwise I will die. And apparently the uh, this is this is a good bird season. We're not the, we're not cicada season, because all you will have heard is the sound of ratcheting and um, screeching. But yeah, we're getting along. Like, like a Vuvuzela, but less horrible. Slightly less horrible. Yes, that, that's a good way to put it. Indeed. It, it's quite nice. You've got sort of the, the, the chirping of the bird life, whereas you know, around these parts it's cold and wet and miserable, and I'm honestly not sure whose recycling bin I saw acceleration down the road earlier today. Fair enough. So... Enough of the weather banter. We have a topic to discuss, brought to us by Spectacles AK, and I think I know through Internet Sleuthing who that might be, but I don't know know them, so we will we won't go further than that. I, I was wondering if it was a fashion line related to and possibly spun off from the uh, ever popular series of firearms, but I'm I'm prepared to be wrong. Ooh, Kalashnikov eyewear. That is something mm. that someone should do. To be fair, I mean, if you if you are leaning on the brand, you they'd be easy to maintain, almost impossible to break, which would be great. A bit of bit of robust um, communist era styling, possibly. And, you know, the hipsters would buy that. Possibly with some wood bits. Yeah, a bit of. A bit of they do call it gun furniture, and you know, so yeah, that was, oh. yeah, yeah. So that's uh, I've, I've heard odd phrases attached to. And odd things attached to firearms. We've all seen the um, the tactical, all of the bits. Oh yeah, well you can no longer identify where the firearm is other than maybe where the guy's holding it. So coming to us from Spectacles AK, the uh, internationally renowned fashion house. Indeed. We have the prompt Sailor Noir. I think we know what they're getting at. But you know, I'm sure we can put it into strange and unusual situations as far as role-playing game prompts go. It is what we do, even if perhaps we shouldn't. <laughs> it's what we have done, and for, for some reason no one has stopped us doing, so that's fair. We haven't broken many laws yet. The big red couch motto. <laughs> so, have you come up with a notion that follows the the, uh, the strands of Salon Noir? I have come up with a couple of notions, though some of them are based more on my complete lack of, lack of knowledge of the um, Sailor Moon, Pretty Soldier Sailor Moon, etc. universe. It does have a vast canon of, uh, with many entries into it, and you know, different formats, so yeah, it's claiming not to know the encyclopedia of Sailor Moon is fine. I'll be honest, I browsed the Wikipedia page, and that immediately shot down one of my ideas, but I'm going to use it anyway. 
<laughs> and to be fair, the amount of times we talk about anime in this show, um, I didn't even pro- I didn't even pronounce the uh, Uritsuki Doji title correctly when we brought it up, and realised I had been mispronouncing it for twenty years, easy. So, oh, it, it, who oh. knows? Maybe the overfiend is not going to be happy with you. Have I, have I actually looked at go? Wait a minute. Those syllables look nothing like what we've been saying. And it's possibly that it was somebody mispresented it, or even the translation was just bad. Mm. That seems less likely. But that's what we've been calling it for 20 years. So, mm. ah, well. So I hadn't realized that um, Legend of the Overfiend was only the first part of the story. That there were more bits. <laughs> yes, there's always more bits. Um, but, yes. There's no reason for you want to to want or expect there to be more. <laughs> There's always more laser firing tentacles. Indeed. And so, so, the, the, so this would be our disclaimer for um, usual disclaimer for, in fact, for episode 117, which I think we also forgot that we are not entirely competent at this, despite the amount of practice we've got. So, do your own research, kids. So, for our long-time listeners. You had to have known this already, that whole non-competence thing. I mean, it's practically a trademark of the show at this point. I don't think we can trademark non-competence. I mean, just on, that a, is fair. on a legal... Like, Maybe I mean a hallmark. Hall- it's practically a hallmark of the show at this point. Yes, we are carefully, correctly wrong. Nice. <laughs> You're on show notes, so you can link that one. I, I, I'll link that to absolutely anything. <laughs> Makes sense. Anything, anything with Nemesis the Warlock and and a song with Parthenogenesis in the verse, sorry, the chorus, I will absolutely like. Cool. All right. So you had an idea that you were that Wikipedia was unable to dissuade you from. Indeed, my thinking was, you've got the various Sailor Scouts, etc. Do you want to expand at all on that? Because somebody might actually have less information about Sailor Moon than we do. Fair enough. (laughs) Sailor Moon. You've got Sailor Moon, who is in some way related to the moon. There is also Sailor Mars. There is Sailor Venus, Sailor Jupiter. You get the idea. They are general undercover champions of good versus evil who have... Sparkly outfits, transformation sequences, and are vaguely themed by planets of the solar system. Is that indeed right? So that's that. That seems to be it. I don't know how far down it goes. I mean, I don't know whether there is a sailor Earth. Um, and if there is a sailor Earth and a sailor Moon, does that mean there's also a sailor Phobos <laughs> and a sailor Themos? Um, what the hell happens with Sailor Jupiter? Because there's a lot of moons going on there. Yes. Well, I mean, it went on for several. It went, they've had you know several reboots and like different arcs. So that's that's just that's just gravy for you know extending the the, uh, the canon and the, the the world. So I think I saw the first episode of a live action series. Yeah. It had utterly unconvincing CGI, but it was really quite sweet, despite that. Or possibly because of that. that uh, so in been, any case. It might have been delivered. Okay. And I, yeah. So I started thinking, Sailor Noir, I mean, the obvious one is, okay, we take Sailor Noir, we put this into a 30s, 40s noir universe. 
I do not know enough about the Sailorverse to even know how to attempt that in a way that does justice to the tropes of, of noir films and stories and also keeps kind of the spirit of the Sailorverse. I, I don't know enough to, to know how to do that. Fortunately, mm. we have an audience, so I don't need to. What my thinking was, okay, astronomical bodies. Let's go with Nemesis. Nemesis, Planet X. There's, mm. there's miscellaneous other names. This idea that there is this... Nibiru, thank you. Nibiru yes. Sound, the, yeah. the idea that there is this very long orbit, long eccentric, horrifying orbit, um, other planet out there, or in some versions, brown dwarf out there, that once every very long period of time that um, has a cycle that coincides nicely with catastrophes, passes through the solar system and, as it were, fucks everything up. Hmm. As it would. Of course, its, pas- it's, its passage would be etched into the orbits of all the planets that we can currently see. So it's patent bunkum. But, okay. Though, amusingly, <laughs> there was an article that I have not been able to find yet, but if I can, or refind yet, where the analysis of some Oort cloud objects with strange, strange orbital uh, parameters did suggest the yeah, regular but very long cycle perturbation of their orbits by something that maybe fits the description. Right, but something well out there in a couple of, uh, like a dozen AU or even further? Well out there. I mean, yeah. we're talking, yeah, we're talking, uh, at what point does this thing get nicked by another solar system territory kind of kind of thing, to yeah. my understanding? Space is big. Really big. Yes. I think it's a long way down the the road to the chemist, etc., etc. My thinking was, all right, you've got the various sailors linked to various planets, loosely themed on their astronomical body. And then you've got Sailor Noir. And Sailor Noir probably dresses in fairly dark colours and maybe is a bit glum on things, or maybe not, because this is the Sailorverse and maybe they don't do glum. Sailor Noir is part of the squad, doesn't show up very often because they are effectively Sailor Massive Collateral Damage. Oh, right. Enormously powerful, able to sort the problem, but really you only bring Sailor Noir into it in circumstances where busting a planet in half is actually a better outcome than simply letting whatever happen is going to happen happen. We've done this before. I'm I'm certain we've done this before. I'm trying to remember if it was the James Bond episode, but it was the one where you had your job was to, to get everything tidied up before the the wrecking ball was um, initialized. So, I yeah. That could have been our, our Bond behind-the-scenes episode, which was back in the single digits. Yeah, or maybe one sub- We were so young and full of life. Indeed, indeed. Basically, this would be, you know, Sailor Noir for this pitch would be effectively the horrifying apocalyptic version of Sailor Moon, where something has happened, 
sort of inexplicably the solar system is hurtling towards the black hole at the center of the galaxy, never mind how difficult that would be, <laughs> or a black hole is coming, it has changed course and is coming right for us and opening its maw because it's actually a space angler fish. fish. There's a rich tapestry out there. Yes. But effectively, this is a case where you know, Sailor Noir and you know, actually implementing this would be a complete pig because I don't know whether you, you go with, okay, so Sailor Noir is the apocalyptically powerful GM NPC. Well, that sucks for everybody else. Is a PC who gets to draw that straw. It would kind of depend. There are various systems where the, the differing power levels don't actually matter. Uh, you'd probably be better off using one of those because you've got Sailor pretty powerful and Sailor, I will tear the core out of your planet. Hmm. That is a tricky thing to implement, especially if the, well, I'd probably do that as a doom track, to be honest. But so even mm -hmm. if, even if it is like a subset of powers, like um, stuff, I've recently got in my hand a copy of masks, which Brilliant! I really want to run, uh, really want to run a game with masks, um, but there's a, there is at least one. Is it the Nova? So at least there's at least there's at least one. Um, the Nova is apocalyptically powerful yeah, with very yeah. little control. Yeah, and effectively you, you you make a slightly different um, a slight tweak to that um, playbook in which they are accumulating doom points and they have to work with the team to get the thing, the, the, the issue resolved before they run out of space on the doom track. So that'd be one way of doing it as a player. Okay. Yeah, kind of a combination of the Nova and, well, the doomed. Mm, yeah. Except everyone's doomed. <laughs> mm. eh, that could work. Doomed with slightly bigger stakes. Yeah. That, that was the closest I managed to come to an actual Sailor-verse idea. I have a non-Sailor-verse idea, but perhaps we should hear from someone else. So? Um, I thought so. Well, Tim did suggest um, <laughs> an interesting idea. Thank you, Tim, for rocking up the forum. Uh, sorry, the comments on the website. Um, yes, and he reminded us for our previous episode that uh, Order of the Stick exists. And it's still going, which is pretty impressive. Yes, the idea of, the idea of them being very aware of the rules of the game and, you know, whenever they cast a spell, they quote the name of the spell from the book. So things mm. like that and say, uh, on this. also put me in the mind of the Goblins webcomic in which somebody is, you know, People talk about using attacks of opportunity and the goblins who are the protagonists gain classes and levels in a, a desperate bit to survive adventurers. Okay. It is a weird thing. I had never actually read Order of the Stick. There's a which lot makes of me it. a bad person. Yeah, there's it's been I I put it down, I don't recall entirely why. Oh, I don't maybe five or more years ago. Don't recall yeah. There's a lot going on. Um, but Tim's idea is, and we, we discussed this briefly earlier um, before the cast, um, is basically run a game which is Sailor Moon from different genres, uh, a la Into the Spider-Verse. So it sounds like Into the Dragon, but not quite. Indeed, yes. I did go and see the film 
today and very much liked it. Though I'm a little bit scared because that means that two Spider-Man films in a row that I have enjoyed. I'm not emotionally prepared for that. I'm, I've, heard, I've heard people being lukewarm on Spider-Man Homecoming, but honestly, of all of the villains, the bit where the villain in this one is revealed and the, the, the unwitting relationship between the hero and the villain comes up as one of the strongest moments in any of the Marvel-esque movies or that, that thing. It's one of the, I thought that was, mm. that was like, that's an oh shit moment. That would stick with you. <laughs> yeah. It was beautifully done. It was fantastic. Yeah. I thought that was, that was, I enjoyed that too. So, um, Into the Spider-Verse does look like fun. And as soon as we get this on our, um, distant archaic shores, I will, I will, I'm almost tempted to go to the 3D version, which I don't think I've done since maybe Avatar. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's like I'd almost forgotten that 3D was an option. I should see I'm whether I want sure to go and see it again in 3D. I'm not sure that it, I'm not absolutely sure that it is. It's got to. I've got to see something other than Avatar, but like Avatar was the movie that you people only remember because they probably saw it in 3D. <laughs> it won't work properly, and I'll probably end up with a headache, and I won't be able to take most of the people I know because they'll definitely end up with headaches. But it looks cool. So yeah, yeah I, I might be getting a misread off my my local cinema, uh, sort of announcing the 2D sessions because apparently they do that with every film just to. Stress the fact that it's not 3D. Just to reassure you. Yeah. Reality, now in 2D. That looks like a fun film, and we'll we'll, we'll, like, uh, we'll link a trailer, I'm sure. But the idea being that there are spider peoples from multiple realities in the, fa- in the fancy Marvel multiverse thing, and uh, they're first forced to collaborate to stop everything imploding. I can say no more because of spoilers. Fair enough. But there are a number of different characters from, from different universes with different art styles, which I thought was it was fascinating. So if they've made mm. that if they've made that work, they've done um, some mighty efforts. So flesh out the idea with you've got a universe where Sailor Moon wears a trench coat and fights gangsters, a universe where Sailor Moon is a mecha pilot, and a universe where Sailor Moon is a boy, and a universe where Sailor Moon is a pig. Yeah. I would watch that movie. That would that would be doable. I mean, that's that would be again. It's your your motley crew con game. Um, it would certainly help if people had their uh, feet firmly planted in the canon of Sailor Moon, which I guess having having had this weakness in our pop culture armor exposed, I guess we're going to have to um, do some work on this. To, yeah. to fill in the gaps of uh, of Sailor Moon. Um, there is actually a really interesting um, series on YouTube by uh, Aaron Cerise, who's basically followed the roots of the magical girl archetype in Japanese animation. And apparently, and I've seen several of these things going through, starting off from somebody who was pretty much Sabrina the Witch from the American sitcom, made a teenager. And given, you know, very mild magical powers, and there is a there is a definite sort of evolution as these go as these go as these go through, and there are very very many things which have 
Yeah. Move up through Sailor Moon, who is a creation of the 90s, I think? That one I could not tell you. For I do not know. But in any case, so tracing the history of the, yeah. the magical jo- the old genre. Okay. Indeed, yeah, from Sailor Moon in the 90s, and there's lots of others, plus you know, up to uh, uh, Madoka Magica and so forth. Things where I think they've started to deconstruct the whole idea. So yeah, no, that's I think that's a fascinating, a fascinating take on it. it again, it would be yeah, it would like say, the Motley Crew kind of. Not necessarily needs to be a, a one shot con game, but the friction between the characters' approaches and ideals would be kind of the centerpiece. They'd be battling. I, I guess if it was a long running one. And I guess this would also this would could could fall into any sort of superhero game with using people from different um, universes. Is that the folks who've been battling their nemesis? That word comes back for 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 years. Someone else comes on with a different approach and sorts the problem. That would be an interesting. And and that would be if you're going to run a villains game, that would be even more fascinating. The idea that right we are. Highly capable bad guys who haven't been able to stop these do-gooders in our various dimensions. What happens if we ch- exchange tips? And uh, <laughs> so do the Hitch- Hitchcocky crisscross thing, except yeah, okay. So that would so it would be interesting. It is an interesting approach. What does a uh, hard-bitten noir version of uh, Superman do when dealing with the modern-day? untouchable corporate uh, Lex Luthor entity. Does he just beat the shit out of him and throw him off a building? Probably not, but... Probably not Superman. Yeah. But yeah, they could also be mismatched in awful ways. But yeah, mm. no, I, I like that idea, especially for a... Yes, the magical girl genre is kind of very specific to to Japanese animation, so... well, And it's, and it's very spin-offs, so that would be an interesting thing to try. Well, I have an idea which isn't to do with magical girls. Okay. My idea is pretty much to have a tale about a a detective who is a sailor, sort of like maybe the, maybe the school of Cad Fail. But the, the inspiration I got was from um, the story of a Doctor um, Wilfred Grenfell, who was a um, Sort of Victorian era. Um, he started off as a medical missionary to Newfoundland, um, <laughs> and saw that the the, the, the folks in, in that that and still this, to this day, um, Newfoundland is a very rugged place. Horrible, horrible cold winters. Fishing is pretty much the thing that happens there, and not a great deal else. The various collapses of the cod industry and so forth and. Things has been a bit of a have been some setbacks, but he started off like just attempting to you know help people who were injured and and um, tend to their spiritual needs to some degree. and realised that it wasn't it would be more as a better long term thing to actually establish hospitals and community centres and bring it up to a level of, you know, give it a, the place a level of infrastructure, at least as far as um, these things go, so that, you know, folks would help themselves to a degree and there'd be a little bit, there'd be a, an addition to the community rather than having a doctor, a, a doctor priest turned up on a boat every few, you know, months. 
apparently they like one dentist for 2,000 miles kind of thing. Oof. Yeah. So okay. It's a, it's a, and so he, so, and, and he did a lot of fundraising. He basically went out to talk to me. He was like, volunteer to, to, to um, money or come along on the, um, or come on these trips and volunteer your time and your, your expertise to do these things. He was wildly successful. He must have been an extremely charismatic person. Um, especially since part of his pitch involved becoming stranded on melting sea ice um, and having to flay several of his sled dogs to make to make a uh, coat so he could he survived the experience. Ew. Yeah, and apparently this this was something that he would use to inspire people to come to Newfoundland with him. The idea of somebody going from rugged coastal place to rugged coastal place and trying to settle things and solve mysteries and so forth, especially since all these communities were pretty insular and quite not exactly trusting of outsiders. Um, I got a lot of this inspiration from uh, the YouTube series Rare Earth by with Evan Hadfield, the uh, son of Chris Hadfield, the famous singing astronaut. Um, right. uh, and so he travels around. He's been to places like Chile and Albania and Cambodia and look, looked at the effects of various things on you know, the, the passage of the 20th century on places like this and comes up with just the most fascinating and sometimes deeply warped stories just to tell. And he's still in a little short snippets. They're not exactly, they're not going to tell you the entire history of a place. But they are fascinating things and you know, um, described in a, in, a, in, a, in a warm and friendly Canadian style. So um, really nice. cool, really cool series. So I would recommend that regardless of, regardless of anything else. So, but the idea, the idea of having a, is it like a circuit judge or? You're a circuit, circuit judge, circuit magistrate. Or they, and... maybe, maybe this is like an aquatic Man, that bird is loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, like almost aquatic dogs in the vineyard. Dogs in the vineyard? <laughs> dogs in the harbour? Well, the, the dogs from earlier, actually. That's uh, a little bit more unfortunate. He didn't give them a proper burial, being, being a man of cloth. <laughs> or the... I'm sure he buried whatever was left. <laughs> yes. So it'd be a stark, kind of difficult thing, because... There could, I mean, uh, just essentially because there's a, there could be a, a, a quite a culture clash between the intentions of the folks and things that might seem quite normal to them, down to the fact that you know the family trees are probably not the most bushy and um, unpruned. And, no. And just because of you know long periods of time of extreme isolation mean that thing, you know, people's options are limited. Um, the family thicket, as it were. Yeah. And, yeah, the various various things that mean that resolving those issues is difficult. So, yeah. Thus, you get the, the visiting... Yeah, I mean, Dogs in the Vineyard is... It's an obvious place to start, but maybe also, you know, if you're wanting to go with more of the Cad Fowley investigate, you know, if you wanted to go with an investigate game, then Dogs in the Vineyard is maybe not the right one. 
Mm, true, because that's more about the it's more about the judgment, isn't it? More about, about getting the, yeah. the point of, sort of bringing the conflict to the surface and dealing with it. But it's not less about discovery; it's more like provoking to a degree. Because yeah. I mean, the dogs, at least to my limited understanding, are actually authority figures. Oh yeah, yeah. Whereas There's... in this one, your your sailor, or I'm guessing sailors, unless this is a sort of a player plus single player plus GM sort of game, mm. are presumably not not authority figures, and are a little bit more, as you say, Cadfowl slash Miss Marple, known busybodies possibly. Mm. Yes, they're certainly not famed Detective Hercule Poirot. They're somebody coming through who is in the right place at the right time. So I know maybe one of the gumshoe variants would be a good place to start mm. because that is quite good for investigating stuff. Mm. I do like the idea of the traveling sailor um, going to remote places and trying to sort their problems. It's not quite a Scooby-Doo thing, but... Steering away from the Scooby Dooness would would be a kindness, but quick, let's get back to the SS Mystery Machine. <laughs> it could work. It could work and be terrible, but it could work. Well, that one, that one comes very close to my non Sailorverse mm-hmm. idea as well. Though I think I kind of approached it from from the other angle and went wound up in more or less the same place. Yep. Because I'd basically gone with, okay, Sailor Noir, what, what's what's the kind of vibe? That, I mean, Noir has a particular vibe. You've got compromised characters. You've got corruption. You've got stories in which even the winner of, yeah, even, even the person who wins the situation doesn't walk away entirely clean. Hmm. Yeah, setting your scene with a um, some sort of dock in black and yeah, shot in uh, in black and white with sort of strong contrast of of light patches and coloured patches, and it's all a bit grimy and grim. Is is you know, kind of the feel I would expect out of a game that was pitched as Sailor Noir. The trouble is that kind of fits with almost any the old abandoned um, warehouses or down at the docks scene from every noir film ever with the possibility of last uh, possible exception of last man standing because that happens in west texas uh, texas and there is no water Fair enough. but still there is um you know it's got that um that that feel uh, so what i thought to basically try to turn turn into a game is okay let's let's keep sailor as you know sailor as person on board ship but let's go sci-fi okay and i'm sh- Sure, I've used this before, um, but it's basically borrowing bits from, I think, the C.J. Cherry book Rim Runners, mm-hmm. chunks of the Glories, the Glory series by an author whose name I've forgotten, but is all about effectively sailing using solar sails, or in this case, tachyon sails, because the author wanted people to get between solar systems in plot convenient periods of time, which a solar sail is not a good option for, to be honest. It is a terrible option for. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a terrible, terrible option, especially if you want re- relativistic effects, which is what he wanted. So Yeah, tra- yeah, traveling faster than the speed of light using light. 
difficult. <laughs> Indeed. Well, these ones weren't travelling faster than the speed of light, but they were sort of sailing between sailing between stars in a period that made sense for a human being to make a career of. Right. So they were experiencing dilation dilation mm-hmm. effects. I think one of the characters at one point reminisces about going and visiting the planet he grew up on and there's just nobody there anymore. There's no indication of what happened because it had been hundreds of years and presumably the colony had just plain died out. Oh, I, I recently watched a uh, an old anime from the 80s which had one of the, the nastiest versions of um, relativistic effects I've ever seen. The first mm-hmm. episode... The heroine says goodbye to her, her, her dad, who is a, a ranking officer in the Space Navy. She hears the report of that, that his ship has been lost fighting the evil space monsters, grows up swearing to, to follow in his footsteps and be and defend the Earth. One of, and one of their, her first missions into space, they intercept a ship traveling back to Earth, and due to realistic effects, it turns out that she boards the ship hours after it was destroyed in local time <laughs> and it's her father's ship. Oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, wow. Gee, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> that is, <laughs> that, that was, is sub fun. That was, yeah. that was gun, that was gunbuster. It was like the first, like, pretty sure that doesn't work, but cause you know, they still had to intercept. They, they still had to, to pick up to like, Light, uh, light speed to intercept the thing. Yeah, yeah like, huh, okay. Anywho, so, people so, traveling between... Yeah, tra- people, well, basically the idea being that, um, and I'm picking, sort of bits of this is picked up from the, um, I think I'm remembering the book right, it was Rim Runners, which a lot of it occurs, a lot of the start of the, the, the story occurs on a station that is slowly dying. That the... Um, in the early days of expansion out into the into the universe, ships couldn't actually go very far, so you needed a lot of stations mm. for for them to go between. Technology improves, and you can go further, and you just don't need those intermediate stations anymore. You can you can go with very large hub stations instead, and so these other places kind of get passed by mm. and possibly abandoned or at least downscaled a lot of small town woes indeed small town woe except it's small town industrial facility woes Mm. um because some of those stations probably quite a lot of them would have been placed where there was say a convenient star and a convenient gravity well and let's not care too much whether there is a planet there or that much in the way of resources that are worth extracting because you need to be able to refuel ships, you, you ships need to be able to stop. All good. So they're just truck stops, basically. Basically, yeah, truck stops, slowly dying truck stops. They used to be sort of truck stops with with repair facilities and refueling facilities and hotels and and all of the things that one might expect in a a, a stopover point, but none of that stuff's really needed anymore. And so my thinking is that um, sort of for for Sailor Noir, or in this case, Star Sailor Noir, you've got the people who are still 
either it's a story of the people who are still living on one of these sta- these slowly dying stations, in which case it's probably kind of a you could either do the story of people closing down a station as it's as it's being mothballed. Hmm. Possibly the people living on a station that had already been abandoned, the the rats in the walls kind of approach, as it were, hmm. for a bit more fun and a bit more travel. I'm I'm kind of liking the idea of the, as it were, the the shadow, not even quasi legal trade routes and shenaniganizing that goes on when you've got ships moving between stations that don't really appear on anybody's radar anymore you know everybody everybody forgets about them they are the deserted desert airfield or the um weird little uh, mostly abandoned port with one night watchman who we pay to look the other way of the 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 galactic trade system what's the game with you in that situation it would depend if i wanted to do the we got to get out of this place approach then I would go with some sort of very much stick it to the man kind of system that um, sort of tap into the the more noirish aspects of cyberpunk. And basically, you're trying to work away off this damn station. If I wanted a bit more of a, a, a long long term travelly game, I would go with Tramp Freighter or the Tramp Space Freighter, effectively basically doing the trades between these very small stations that nobody really thinks about anymore. This is where the people who either have to want to, or have been, uh, have to or want to get away from, from bigger polite society um, have come to, or maybe it's the people who've been driven away from it and just forgotten about it and do it as the, a bit like these small isolated communities, except they're maybe not that isolated. But you've still got the the moral grayness, you've still got the thugs taking advantage, you've got the criminals, you've got the racketeers, and you've got this crew of a spaceship who may be the only ship that's come in for six months who start getting caught up in all of this crap. Cool. Yeah, there's a, a game I uh, kickstarted called Flotsam, which is about folks on, on the edge out in space, which might be an appropriate sort of system once it, uh, once it drops. And that same sort of idea of people trying to survive and, uh, and relying on one another to survive in an inhospitable um, environment where they have been somewhat left behind. And depending on how how bleak you wanted to go with it and how much of the forgotten people vibe you wanted to go with, you could have the fun. And I I use that term loosely of suppose if you were using some sort of jump drive, suppose there is actually a hard limit to the distance that can be traveled. But what was found was, basically ways of resetting very quickly between jumps and so a station that used to be yeah all the ships stop here for the the, the next jump out towards wherever mm. well they still see those ships but the ships just jump in and then jump out again mm. they're um, only in in town for a few seconds yeah as it, it were it might just be down to um 
computer power or better astrogation. So they can they basically rather than rather than arrive, start the mainframe, plot a course to the next star, let's go let's go ashore and, and get some food. Um, it's oh it's done. Bing bing. Yeah. That from a certain point of view would be quite a um a fun backdrop to put there. It wouldn't have much 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 effect, but you've basically got this situation that is in the um the station that is in the shadow of just increasingly larger ships as the years go by until the ships that are bouncing through the system are just bigger than the station. There's these monstrous freighters that never stop, never even seem to be aware that they're there anymore. That would be pretty grim. Gotta say. Yeah. It would depend on it would depend on how you wanted if I was going to go with that level of thing, I would want quite a tight, well fleshed out community on the station slash stations. Hmm. Um, into which the rain is falling, as it were. And yes, there might be. You could definitely have the the option for some intrigue and interest going on. When, well, maybe the, the these giant ships sort of coursing through the night don't stop, but maybe they're here long enough for something to 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 get us from them. Mm. And yes, some people using it as a you, you sort of tagging along to, uh, to to travel that way or just finding themselves or you know, find themselves broke down at this, you know, this backwater station. It could be intriguing. Somebody hitching a ride to nowhere in particular. Hmm. Yeah, no, that would be, that would be interesting. Um, and you could, um, if you felt you had to, you could roll the magical goal back into it by, Someone who, on the station, is big enough to have, you know, a level of an- anonymity, maybe, maybe, but somebody has a a piece of an, an advanced nanotech that involve that uh, allows them to suit up in a in you know in, in a, a spacesuit which is like combat ready and bright and sparkly, but like the only they're like the the this protector of the of the weak on this relatively lawless um, station. Uh, unfortunately, the, the activating the suit's abilities is very showy, and they'd rather not be identified with the person who runs around with a tiara. Nice. Yes. Maybe, maybe having a nanotechnology um, battle suit, a, a personal nanotechnology battle suit is probably not uh, legal. <laughs> inverted commas or and it's not illegal because nobody ever thought we'd need a law against that shit maybe it's not actually personal it's more acquired mm. yeah okay that's cool mm. oh, that sounds, that sounds, that's a really interesting bleak as balls though oh yeah yeah I, I possibly doubled down a little bit too hard on the noir a bit of it but um i think it would be the sort of game where you would have or if I was, yeah, if I was running it or playing it, I would want it to be a game that flipped between bleak bleakness and kind of touching community slash personal moments. I would want there to be that that dichotomy that yes, the world is very bleak, but hmm, there's a fair amount of lighting candles going on. Otherwise, yeah, you are yeah, you are living on this um this tiny little speck of light and warmth. In a cold, dark universe that has forgotten has forgotten you, 
but don't forget that you're living on a speck of light and warmth. Hmm. This, this kind of thing. I mean, you could have some, if you wanted to go super-duper bleak, which you probably don't need to, if this network of stations got got outmoded sufficiently quickly, this may be the circumstance where they actually can't get to anywhere else, that you've got this cluster of stations, the other stations that they might have gotten to with this newer, better drive tech have been mothballed. They are this little pocket that hmm. still gets used where the, the gigantic um, space freighters and liners come through, but nobody nobody has a ship that can get out of it anymore. Or maybe the people who did already have. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, no one stops here, so no one leaves here. Yes, everybody remembers Captain uh, Captain Dave's, yes, we will put together a ship that is capable of making the jump. I will jump to um, jump to the rest of the network, and then I will send for you. Whatever happened to Captain Dave? <laughs> Presumably he's sending. <laughs> yeah, what well, happened to Captain Dave and all our money? Yes, anyway, so um, for the love of God, somebody have something more cheerful than that. Also, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> Actually, if you were, if I was going to do the super, the, the super bleak one, I would definitely have a Christmas episode. Yes, it would be. I think it would feel like a mash Christmas episode somehow. But um, yeah, a mash Christmas episode, or or maybe strange red spaceship appears, bearded man. <laughs> you know, just do the. Don't pay too much attention to this within the continuity, okay, kids? We're all agreed. Excellent episode. Yes, don't don't look too closely. Everything will be fine. Okay, so we we had a pitch idea from Kinemono, I believe. We did. Kinemono, ever reliably, has provided us with a pitch, and I'm not sure if this is this is bulbarized at all, but it inv- even involves a song. Oh yeah. Fighting evil by moonlight, killing others by firelight, never running from a real fight. She is the one named Sailor Noir. This is my high school, Tamagotchi High. That it's where I go to school with my friends. Some of who are part of my gang, Sailor Sailor Noir. We're a bunch of magical girls. We fight darkness so you can have your a double shot full head mocha latte. That sounds really good. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. I'm getting kind of a Fight Club. Five or something is just on, on top of this. It's, yeah, it seems seems a bit more aggressive than the usual, the usual one. Saint-Lenoir, with with the extra, um, Saint-Lenoir is the met is the magical girl genre set in nineteen forties film noir genre. Hard bitten girls with magical powers fighting the forces of darkness, and other magical girls from rival schools, and evil yokai, animal spirits gone bad. But they are a pushover compared to the Diamond Rose gang muscling in on your territory. It's a game of intrigue and backstabbing, grabbing territory and keeping the city safe from yokai or who are, that are trying to eat everyone's souls. This is one where I would do an apocalypse world hack for. Not sure if I would create playbooks or just let the players pick from a group of choices to build their magical girls. Playbooks will let me hit all the stereotypes of the magical girls, while the list of abilities and powers will let the players build their own. Either one, either. Either one would be a valid method. The big deal would be coming up with GM moves and probably use the use of a clock for some sort of for some sort of impending doom. Doom, I say. Oh, 
And when a magical girl goes bad, they become magical yokai girl. <laughs> yeah, I think um, stepping away from Apocalypse World to a hack for uh, for Blades in the Dark, and yeah, just just getting one generation removed because that does kind of sound like a street gang version of Spangle Noir to some degree. Yeah, a little bit. And I was also getting elements of bleach in there, but that could have just been the animal spirits. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The crazy swords people, um, Shimigami club thing. And the teddy bear. Anyway. Um, Indeed. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty compact. And, yeah, that's... Uh, I like that. Uh, that's That's quite... That that is quite fun. It's a bit of a melange. I might I might pick it up until like a seventies, early eighties, the Warriors style thing, since it's since it's the it's the youth gone bad kind of situation. You know, so sort of situated like the, the motorcycle gangs of um, of Japan or something like that, like the Warriors. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you have like so your, your street gang. Okay, I get it. It's the era of the the kids are not all right, and we're all terrified of them. Um, it's because noir is a is a genre where there aren't like kids, there aren't young. Well, a, a lot of the people had it was because you know a lot of people suddenly grew up because they'd come back from World War Two. So there's less of this this idea of like school and so forth. But yeah, um, it's still I, I like it. And the idea of it, yeah, is actually being a, like a this magical girl thing, but like a hard bitten turf war. It did remind me of like two web comics simultaneously, which was reasonably impressive. Okay. One? one called Shattered Starlight, where grouchy, semi-retired magical girls hanging around a Canadian, a French Canadian cafe, um, and getting dragged back into the the getting dragged back into the life by various things. Um, very fun and a and there's another one which is a little bit more some the art is more cutesy um, and the story is slightly more dark it's like a called sleepless domain where like magical wheels are like an idol thing and there's a little, a little bit more sort of tryouts and competitions except one of them is working through the fact that she kind of got a team killed um it's oh, a bit of word. survivors guilt going on not strictly yes yeah, it's more of a she survived the bad shit and is now trying to trying to deal with the fact that you know yeah we totally want you on our team last girl standing <laughs> it's a fun time so i'll link in, i'll link those ones if people people enjoy kitamono also linked through a, a picture after a few attempts because i think forum software was being helpful i mean you'd you'd, you'd go 70s i was actually thinking and, and I feel bad for thinking this, but it happened, and we just all have to accept it and move on. Of of pitching the same girl gang sailor noir sailors noir thing. If we're going historical ish, going fifties. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm just looking at the sailor outfits, which admittedly was a, um, a Madoka Magica image that um, uh, or fan art image that got linked, but. Um, the outfits are a lot more floofy than your standard issue um, Sailor Moon outfit, but they fit reasonably well in with kind of, well, effectively, many of the outfits from the movie Grease. 
So imagining a 50s greaser version of Sailor Moon Girl Gang. It's like, yeah, sure, you've got the guys off there. They're threatening each other with this witchblade. Meanwhile, us girls just beat the mortal shit out of this horror from beyond. And those bitches from the school next door. Yeah. I get that. It would be much the same. The trappings would be a little different, but much the same yeah. thing. There'd be, there'd be s- sweet muscle cars, I think, would be the um, the order of the day. That is true. Yeah. Classic cars. Yeah, it depends on exactly the... I don't know. The Rebellion of the 50s was... Different. It was, was a different sort of... It was... Everyone is very orderly and straight-laced and, you know, or our folks... Our folks just got out of the military, and everything is very pleasant, Phil. And we are we are rebelling, and and, and, and the only way we know we know we know now, more to the sixties, more seventies to eighties, is the summer of love has failed, disco is is dying, everything is fucked, kind of thing. <laughs> that that is true. It's yes. like, is it, it's probably that's not the whole deal, but it's like there is a different sort of vibe. But yeah, that depends what what you prefer. Mm. <laughs> if I wanted to do the ridiculously cheerful version of this pitch, which sounds stupid, but so does almost everything I say on this show. So, frankly, audience, you had to have seen this coming. Setting this as a battle between maid cafes. Oh, right. So lowering the stakes to virtually nothing. That would be amazing. Um, Actually, no, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I mean, maybe not virtually nothing. I mean, maybe they no, actually no. do still have the appalling, appalling sort of magical girl sailor powers, but they also have a desire to be able to pay rent in Tokyo, which means that they're having to work 20-hour days in order to rent half a shoebox. As such, there is a limit to how, how much magical power wielding they can do while they still need to bring in the customers. And it would be a lot easier if that other maid, maid cafe were to, I don't know, be hit by a meteor. I am torn between either making them genuinely have, genuinely have magical powers and genuinely be an like, arch conflict with the, the, the maid cafe across the street, except the magical powers are, you know, they they might have the impact of a coffee dust. related. Oh no no the the fact that they they, oh, they they could be they could be they could be coffee things, but the their actual physical impact is like that of a gust of warm air. There might be you know super sparkle attack. It's like people might have their clothes and hair mildly ruffled. So they 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 are in pitch battles, but they are largely made out of special effects. Right, and just yeah, just make it slightly dorky and ridiculous on that thing and maybe it all hinges on some level of showmanship and and the like okay i i i'd I'd personally go the other one and and save that one for the gag episode possibly you do an alt verse where their their lives are actually a lot better but their power is a lot weaker but yeah maybe yeah or the other one is yeah where they're where they have to hold themselves back because you know damaging people's property will probably cost them their their jobs and and money so it's mm. still kind of crushing but yeah <laughs> the different a different way and the 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 episode where they have to reluctantly team up with their hated rivals from the uh, the maid cafe on the other side of the park in order to defeat whatever the menace is and there are moments of actual bonding and then they just go back to glaring at each other through the windows 
Yeah, that would be that would be bonkers. That's where I live. <laughs> All right, there you go. Sailor Noir. That went way better than I expected it to. I'm I'm gonna gonna have to say I I'm not sure if we came up with a bunch of good ideas, but we certainly had ideas. Yeah. Quality. Yeah. Well, we ended up in some of the the weird places we had the last few episodes, and given that we're dealing with Japanese anime, go us. Mm. Hey. Cool. Well, thank you for listening, audience. And given that this is dropping a bit after. To Christmas and a bit before New Year. We hope you enjoyed your food coma. Mm, indeed. Now you're surfacing once more, and we hope that uh, 2018 has treated you as well as you could expect, and 2019 really pulls its socks up and does a bit of job. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Dude, come on. <laughs> Get with the program. Alright. Oh. Positive vibe it up a bit. Yeah. Alright. Thanks everyone, and goodbye. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time!